What do you like about your job? What keeps you there? Do you get perks, benefits, flexibility? We had a lot of discussions today about that because a new survey says that people are starting to think a little bit differently about what is more important to them at work. And we also talked about absenteeism in schools because a lot of students and a lot of teachers are missing longer stretches. How do you make sure that the kids who are still there continue to learn and that the kids who are all out don't fall behind? And on the lighter side of absenteeism, What's a weird reason that you've had to either miss school or work? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, November 30th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. I'm just pulling up. That's a, the, the temperature that we give is the one from the forks, but it often is a little bit different at the airport. Uh, minus 14 at the airport, minus 27 wind chill, courtesy of a northwest mm. wind, 45 to 57 kilometers an hour. And, Loren, I was surprised when I heard you were on your way in. I thought for sure, ah, Loren's going to stay home today. It's going to be a bad drive. I should have stayed home, and I'm putting this on record now that if I leave the house on conditions on a day like this again and persevere, that's on me because I was about three minutes into that drive and thought, this is really dumb, but got to that point where I thought, well, I don't want to turn around because it felt really dangerous. I was heading east on 311 towards 59, and it's always really bad, that road, even on just minor windy days, and so I thought, I can do this, and then I saw a car pulled over with its hazards, another car coming my way, and I thought, well, I can't turn around. Then I thought, I'll get to 59, and when I'm going north, the winds will be different because they'll be, I'll be facing a different direction. And no, that was whiteout in and on and off. Not, not complete whiteout, but whiteout conditions on and off to Grand Point. So it's messy out there. It's gross. And then I pulled over and got to the city and said to you guys, I'm, I'm at Sage Creek. Took twice as long, but I'm on, I'm on my way in. Looks better inside the city. And then about five seconds later, I was like, nope. This sucks too. <laughs> Just a different kind because it was drifty and slippery. And so you're going to really want to consider your move this morning as you head out the door, Greg. Yeah, at 4.30 this morning, I was pleased to see provincial highway maintenance crews on uh, Highway 59 on Lajemodier and uh, sanding trucks uh, in and around my neighborhood making their way on the regional streets. So uh, crews were out early, at least in the northeast corner of the city. Let us know what you're seeing overall. If uh, you're seeing that maintenance, uh, maintenance that was promised to us earlier this fall as the province uh, wants to step up and, and eliminate or limit at the very least the number of times the perimeter highway in particular is closed this winter. But yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm mad at you for making the drive in no, today. No, Loren, next time you yell at me. You, you're an you idiot, made, Loren. You have I equipment you at home. I made a better choice. You can, could can stay home. That? I'm just going to yell angry, at you. I'm disappointed. <laughs> Well, just yell at you. Should be disappointed. I was mad at myself, and then as I was driving in, and I inched my seat closer, I'm like the little, little old lady leaning into the steering wheel, like just squinting, like, "Is that the yellow line?" Oh, no, wait, no, wait, no. And so, I, I do have some questions too about like best practices. And I know we go through this every year, but should I have pulled over? How do you turn around? Do you use your brights? Or not in the in whiteout type conditions. Mm, oh, brights make it bad. They make it worse, right? Yeah, but then as, as cars were approaching me, I thought, well, that guy has his brights on. And if he hadn't, I don't know if I would have seen him. 
oh. as early oh. and so. But no, oh, when boy. it's when it's bright, you can't see, see. You need to go with the the low beams for sure. And we are getting a note here from one of our listeners who says, take caution on Highway 1 from Eli to Winnipeg. Poor visibility on most highways today. So if you are getting ready to, to head out, be safe out there. And we'll get more on the weather from Environment Canada at 6.15. They're going to join us in just a little, just under 10 minutes time. And I just want to quickly mention or play like just a few seconds of this story from out west in Vancouver uh, they, they got a bit of snow and it was chaos last night. Watch out! Commuter chaos. There we go. Not just here in South Surrey. What are you seeing out here? Evil. <laughs> I mean, evil. We like to make fun. I have a, a sibling out in Vancouver right now. He called last night and he's on his way to the game and, he's, and he says, We got a bit of snow though, so I don't know if we'll get there. And I was like, You know, buddy. He's like, I know, I know. It's not Manitoba snow, but remember the hills, right, Greg? You got to remember oh. the hills. And so just a little bit of snow creates that crash bang bong, whatever that was <laughs> that we heard off the top. Yeah, and they don't have the equipment that we have. You know, they, they get snow like this five, six, seven, eight, nine, maybe 10 times a year. And uh, the elevation changes not only impact your ability to drive because you're going uphill or downhill, but it also changes where it snows. It can be rain. You know, in the lower mainland, and all you got to do is go up into North Vancouver, and then it's heavy, wet snow. Yeah, I, I don't understand, though, why Vancouver, if you're not going to invest in the equipment in order for people to be able to drive in this, they, they need to come up with a way better system for telling people, today is a snow day, just stay home. I've mentioned this before, Cincinnati, Ohio, I spent a lot of time there over a couple of years on business and I was in three snow emergencies in two winters. And when the, when the authorities say you don't go anywhere, you have to have a special sticker on your vehicle. You're not allowed to go anywhere and they take it very, very seriously. I don't know why Vancouver doesn't have a system like that. Maybe they do, and I just don't know about it. You can read more and see the video at globalnews.ca. The headline is, Snow Causes Mayhem on Evening Commute. And good night for the Winnipeg Jets last night. 5 nothing over Colorado, but... The Jets, I mean, hey, they they pummeled Colorado, but for thousands of fans, it might be what happened off the ice, Greg, that people are talking about today. Yes, I saw this this morning. I didn't see anything about it last night because I sort of dozed off before the end of the game, but fight broke out in the stands, fans throwing punches at some point between the second and third period. In the video, you can see a melee break out, and then at some point, one man fall, falls down several cement stairs to the bottom of the first level up against the boards. You could hear just that, whoa, off the top because that video was taken from across the ice. People seeing what was going down. But there are several videos that have been posted to social media. And I'm not sure if what happened in the stands actually stopped the play. I, I don't know. Uh, Greg, perhaps you know, but I, I I think it did delay the game because in one of the videos, you can see the ref just sort of standing there watching it unfold. Josh Morrissey slowly skates by and then pauses. The man who fell down the stairs was clearly hurt. One of our colleagues at the game uh, took a picture of the boards, you know, on the fan side and, and there's blood against the board. Uh, one person at least was dragged out, Brett. She appears to be in that video, I would say very inebriated. Mm -hmm. uh, we have an ask out to Winnipeg police as to what their role was because you can see them in some of the videos where arrests made. I don't know if I've ever seen a fight in the stands like that, Greg. I suppose it can happen, but there was 
a, a lot of drinking clearly happening, and someone could really have been seriously hurt. Yeah, I always have a question. You know, when you see somebody being taken out that's clearly inebriated, had too much to drink, how on earth did they get overserved to that point? I think that's always one part of the equation. But oh, come on, like, I understand your your team is is losing uh, the individuals in question that were taken out both in Colorado Avalanche uh, paraphernalia, one jersey, one T-shirt. And so, I mean, we're not going to paint Avalanche uh, fans with the same brush. We know a few Avalanche fans ourselves, right, Brett? So, you know, they're good people most of the time. But this does happen at professional professional and college sporting events, but it, it should never, ever get to that point. That's distressful. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We are going to talk about how Manitoba stepped up in such a big way yesterday in just a moment. But, uh, Loren, you were just taking a peek at the Manitoba Highways map. Uh, what's the, what are they showing for highway conditions? Well, you always want to make sure to click on the actual route that you're thinking you're going to take because black lines mean it's clear, it, but that just means that the road's bare. Yellow means it's snow covered, and of course, red means it closed. And so, 59, 75, for example, south of the city, they all have blowing, drifting snow, poor vis- visibility. And then, of course, as you mentioned, west of Winnipeg on number one, uh, it's snow covered in some sections and also poor visibility. Southeast, kind of the same. So, double check. I know that that map's not always up to date, but at first glance, when I opened it up, I thought, oh, what's going on here? It looks like it's all clear because of the black coloring, mm. but you really got to take a click and, and realize that it's it's the winds are gusting high still. And as I said, I, I shouldn't have come in this morning. I should have turned around. And so give it some pause before you head out the door. And, uh, and Mackling, <laughs> so in the kitchen here on the 30th floor, we've got, uh, there is access to get out to the, I don't know, I guess the, almost the roof. We're not quite on the top floor, but that's where you get access to get outside. And I, I walk into the kitchen and I hear this like, whoosh, like yeah. is, this a, is that a vent? And then I walked up and it's the window. It's just the wind howling outside the window. I felt like I was on an airplane that was about to, you know, the door was about to blow off. Oh my! So that door w- 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 was uh, vibrating from the wind. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Get I thought you were going to tell me somebody was out there uh, <laughs> doing some maintenance or something. There's like, something. Pick on a better the day, pal. Uh, just in from someone who came in from Tyndall, Manitoba. So they said they took Highway 44, 207, and 15. All fine. Bare visibility was okay. So this person feels like things might be worse west and south of the city. Definitely south for sure is what Environment Canada was saying. All right. So if you can keep us apprised of what's happening out there, 204-780-6868, of course, when it is safe for you to do so. So yesterday we talked a lot about the fact that it was Giving Tuesday. I was on location at Harvest Manitoba at 1085 Winnipeg Avenue, and the generosity that was on display there was just stunning, largely due to the army of volunteers they have, uh, like Karen, who's been with, uh, who's been volunteering there for three years. The food that's been coming in goes in one day and comes out and goes out to people the next day. There's always a need, and that need never ends. And certainly at the holidays, it's even harder with budgets, with Christmas, with with everything, for people to find enough um, to make ends meet. And so everyone really needs the, the donations to come in and, and so they can go out to 
needy families. So, of course, they were, uh, you know, accepting, put a tin in the bin. They were happy to accept food donations, but they were really pushing. They were really, the big ask was for financial donations because they can take that, that dollar and stretch it and make your money work smarter, not harder. So they, like they said, if you buy, if I go to the grocery store and buy mm-hmm. a can of tuna, uh, it'll cost like, what, three bucks? Mm-hmm. At least, and, yeah. Uh, but they can take that $3 and buy three cans of tuna so they can get a lot more with their purchasing powers and being able to buy in bulk. Their financial goal was to raise $30,000 and there was an anonymous donor who would match it up to like would match that 30. So this is Vince Barletta, president and CEO. I talked to him at 145. So this was the tally as of 145 yesterday. Well, I sure do. I'm so happy to say with a little uh, bit of programming time left that we are now at the $35,000 that we were hoping for at the beginning of the day. Thank you so much, Winnipeg. Thank you, Manitoba, for all the incredible gifts. So that was 35 grand as of 145. We got an update at 430. Currently, we are at 63362 plus the match of $30,000. So they were at $93,000 as of 430, and they were still counting. Oh, that makes me teary. Winnipeg. Tremendous. Manitoba. Manitoba. And, and, oh, and, and before I forget, i got to mention this for sure. Uh, one donor, her name is Carol. She says she listens to CJOB every day, and because she heard about this on CJOB, she came in and made a $1,000 donation. Just on the spot. She went out of her way. And it's not the most accessible building. Like, I don't know if you've ever been down that street, but there are trucks, huge trucks coming and going all the time. She went out of her way to to make a $1,000 donation. And I just, I thought like, what? Everybody's talking about how money is so tight. So to be able to dig into your pocket and and do that. Heartwarming. Yeah. And you see the people coming in and going from Harvest, you know, that are using the food bank and you think like you can actually visibly see who that's going to help. I was down at Siloam yesterday morning where they had just received a donation of duvets and mattresses uh, that was coming to them from Sleep Country for Giving Tuesday. And so that was dropped off and, and we took a little walk around and they're so busy because the need is so great there. So those duvets and pillows, I think they're working on getting them, Greg, to people who might be hopefully transitioning out of a shelter and into a home so they can actually have that nice brand new duvet and pillow to take with them to sort of kickstart what they hope is the next phase of their life. But they were so busy, Greg. And then, of course, yesterday we got that news of just like an incredibly I don't even know the word for it. Generous donation from a Winnipegger, a record-setting one. Yeah, and uh, this is the second time, by the way, that a Winnipeg family has has presented a record-breaking donation to a Canadian charity. You'll remember back in 2001, the Mount Moffat family made the then-largest gift to a community foundation in Canada. That was $100 million. And in 2018, they topped that up to $150 million. Well, yesterday we learned that the Winnipeg Foundation is receiving from the late Miriam Bergen, who passed away in January, a package, a donation valued at half a billion dollars. What an incredible amount of generosity. The the number is mind-boggling. And the foundation CEO, Sky Bridges, says the significant amount of cash will be extremely impactful for the organizations they support. Uh, the Winnipeg Foundation uh, won't uh, fully realize or see the transfer of the gift for up to another year or two years. But what it really does is it allows us to have a deeper impact on some of the critical issues that are facing our city.
Last year, the foundation distributed $85 million to about 1,100 charities in Winnipeg. Manitoba, Winnipeg, you continue to blow us away with your generosity, your care for one another, care for community. It's once again, we use this word more often now than maybe we have before, but it applies here. Unprecedented gift from uh, Marion Bergen and her family. And thanks again to all those who stopped by Harvest Manitoba yesterday. It was just one of those days, one of those reminders that I'm so proud to work at CJOB because our audience cares. Our audience cares about the community and you step up. We, you know, we're always asking on behalf, organizations come to us for help because they know that we can get the message out to you and you step up every single time. So good for you. We like to, you know, talk about things in a serious way, but sometimes use those conversations to inspire a lighter chat. So why don't we talk about the weirdest reasons you had to either miss school or maybe miss work. And let, like, let's keep it on the, the lighter side because, of course, things can happen in our life that cause us to miss uh, time at work or at school. But I, uh, <laughs> I, I sort of chuckled to myself as I was thinking of this because I thought, I know an expert mm-hmm. on missing time at school. Greg Mackling. <laughs> you don't say. How come my name came up as I write out the list? First ever Blue Jays game stayed home. Exposed <laughs> National League Championship Series, uh, w- w- which would future or forever be known as Blue Monday. Uh, Jets, uh, uh, Avco Cup Parade, 1978. Bombers, Grey Cup Parade, 1984. As it turned out, everybody got uh, that day off, but I-, I was missing school no matter what. But... Um, the Black one that Friday, was, uh, November 25th, November 2022. <laughs> he was shopping last Friday. Yeah. It's a, it's a long, it's a long list. Uh, but the, I guess the strangest one was uh, when I took three days off from school, very, very ill, April of 1981, uh, when the Space Shuttle Columbia first launched. I wanted to see everything and anything on uh, television that they were talking about and that was presented. It was, a, I believe it was a three-day mission and I stayed home the entire time. <laughs> oh, boy, he had the list. He had the list. I knew we, would start, we should start with you on that one. Jeff Braun, what about you? Oh, for me, it was uh, the winter of 96, 97, probably the 97 part because I got up to go to work one morning uh, to my job as a small appliance repairman, and my car was stuck in its parking spot. It was all rutted in, and there had been some fresh snow, and it was slippery, and there was just no getting that car out of the parking spot. But I knew enough to think, well... I don't think my boss is going to accept I can't come to work because my car is stuck. So I called in sick, and I called, then I called some friends to come help me get my car unstuck. And I felt so guilty about lying about being sick. that. And I remember this clear as a bell. At 11.59 p.m. that night, I threw up. And I was like, oh, <laughs> technically I was sick yesterday, so it wasn't a total lie. I know what you mean, though. There's like a karma thing, you know, where yeah. you, you, something happens and you think, I can't get in. I've got I, This is going on, or kids or whatever. Or you, sometimes you wake up and like, I really don't feel like it. Is that the subject line of my, my email to Brett and Greg? I really don't feel like coming today. <laughs> Uh, I, th- I think I, I might just say, you know what? I get it. Take it easy. Cameron Porches, what about you? Uh, they were filming a, a movie uh, back in, in Winnipeg. Um, it was about uh, 
Bob Knight, the infamous uh, Indiana Hoosiers coach. Season on the brink. That's it. And so anyways, uh, my friend Randy and uh, his dad, um, uh, they got into the, they got into the, uh, as extras. And so they took me and my brother Shane and we went, we went there and uh, we'd skip school for it. And, and Randy's dad had said like, yeah, this is worth it. So anyways, while we were there, we got interviewed um, on a, on a radio station. Um, and they said, Oh, uh, what are you kids doing here today? And you, shouldn't you be in school? Ha ha ha. And we're like, no, no, we're just having fun. And, and Randy's dad uh, was like, yeah, this is a good reason to get the kids out of school and all that. So anyways, the next day we go back to school and, uh, Mrs. Doucette, uh, she looks at the, the two of us and me and Randy and Shane were in the same class and she goes, yeah, uh, what were you guys up to yesterday? It's like, Oh, wow. You know, had a homesick. And she's like, well, I heard a specific radio interview. Uh, and so she heard us. Uh, on the air they played the interview and so she knew exactly uh, why busted. we weren't in school today yeah we got busted um but at least you got paid right to miss school that day cam oh i think we Did were you... too young to uh get into the actra union you, so i'm you not were, sure uh, they... unpaid extras at the arena unpaid I, extra, I, I, you know i was there for for like oh, a week oh you were very boring um, very boring well yeah, well, Greg, you know it's a it's a long line of of getting ripped off and of employment um, started uh, when I was that young. So well, I'm continuing that trend. <laughs> what about you, Loren? When I was in university, I had a paper due at the end of the year, and Wayne Gretzky was playing his final game in Canada that night. The next night was was his final game period. And then we got tickets to the game last minute. And so I tried to get a hold of the professor and say like, this paper will not be in on time. I'm going to this game, but it's done and I'll get it to you. And he didn't care and downgraded me from, it was only a B paper anyway, from a B to a C. So I, that stands out. And then I tried to use hockey as an excuse about three years later, driving to the Heritage Classic to, in Edmonton, from Winnipeg to Edmonton, the first ever Heritage Classic. And I was speeding, unfortunately, in Saskatchewan in the middle of the night. And I got pulled over. And I first said to the officer, I appreciate it, but there's nobody around. It's just me on this highway. And he said, yes, but why are you going so fast? And I was like, well, I'm trying to get to this. <laughs> this hockey game and then he says I don't like hockey and then I said who doesn't like hockey and then he just walked away and wrote up a ticket so hockey was not an excuse two times over for me <laughs> oh, I can't believe you yelled at him oh wow. who doesn't like hockey it was more like I was shocked that you, you know even if you didn't like hockey everybody was very excited about that first outdoor game they're now yeah. they're now so commonplace that they're not that special but that one was that was the first ever yeah I was shocked and what about you Forte? For me, it would be like 10, 11, 12 years ago. I was camping with my friends, and, uh, well, like, everyone at work knew that I was camping, so they didn't believe me when I told them that, like, I can't make it into work tomorrow because I'm still camping because the car is dead. Like, I can't get into work. There's no way. And they're like, Jeff, like, come on. Like, we know you're camping. <laughs> you're, you're phoning in, making an excuse. I'm like, no, like, the car is actually dead, and it was dead. Like, we got a free camping spot for that night. We had to get the car towed. But, uh, yeah, people at work just did not believe me. <laughs> In a moment, we are going to talk about benefits, flexible workplace, what draws you to a job or perhaps keeps you away. But before that, we're asking you about the things that have kept you away from school or work 
Uh, you know, the weird things that, that have caused you to be absent. And what does Joyce have for you, Loren? Yeah, the best excuses might be another way to put it. Joyce says in 1969, Bay Days, you know, the Bay Days was a huge event. And one of my coworkers decided to phone in sick so she could cash in on the bargains. She phoned her boss, who was away at a medical appointment from a payphone on the main floor of the Bay. I took the call in his absence. And as she was going on and on about how sick she was... She sensed a presence. Yes, it was our boss. He fired her on the spot. And I was like, was he at Bay Days or what? She said, no, no, no. His appointment was at the medical building right next to the Bay, and he cut through to get back to work and then ran into her on the payphone, (laughs) (laughs) making this excuse that she was sick, that she really wanted to shop. That's just bad luck, man. Oh, geez. And I should add here as well, I mentioned the situation in Winkler. We, we got like five screens open. We're trying to read all these texts and check Manitoba Hydro's website. And I I missing, I, I just read the, the bottom end of this. I, I saw, I can't take this school, the kids to school today. I'm in Winkler. I thought that was a uh, road situation, but that was actually, they were giving examples of excuses yes. as to why you're absent. It was from a school receptionist who says they've heard it all. So we'll get more into school absenteeism. <laughs> the real stuff after 737. How can I make more money? How can I save more money? Those are questions, of course, many of us are asking these days. Maybe you've gone to your boss even and said, you know, I need I need more, or you've talked about that second job or getting a second job. We know that there's a tremendous strain. And according to LifeWorks, which regularly surveys Canadians on how they're feeling, for the fourth straight month, our mental health scores are declining. And that might even have you not just asking your boss for that raise or for help, but, you know, the question, what else can you do for me, Greg? Yeah, so compensation is typically at the top of mind when looking for work or maybe thinking about a a, a workplace change. But after salary, LifeWorks says 34% of Canadians say health and well-being benefits are the most important factor when choosing an employer. Another 28% say flexibility is their top priority, while 18% said the type of work factors into their decisions. Paula Allen is Senior Vice President, Research and Total Well-Being at LifeWorks. Good morning. Nice to speak with you again, Paula. Good morning. So benefits. This is something that uh, maybe goes under the radar in our discussion sometimes, but it's clearly a priority for Canadians when they consider where they're going to work, yes? Oh, absolutely. Like when you think about the benefits and supports that many employers offer, in some cases, they can be life changing. So, you know, uh, prescription drug plans, employee assistance programs to provide counseling, things that really focus on the quality of your health as well as the quality of your life. They add up in terms of a dollar sense, but they also provide that feeling, Paul, I, I would think that maybe this is an employer that cares about me if they're giving me unlimited this or at least 10 sessions of that or that I plan. And on, on top of that, we've had so many conversations over the past two years about flexible workspaces. And when times are tough and the money is really top of mind for many, I'm wondering how many people are going back to their employer saying, like, remember when I was working from home? I'd like to do that again. Or parking's costing too much or gas is costing too much. Can we be flexible here? Well, without question, and I think you hit the nail on the head. What an employer does, you know, what what's there and observable and tangible really makes a difference in terms of how you view the employer because it makes a difference in, 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 in really whether the employer cares about your well-being. 
So if you're investing in programs and services, if you are if you have that two-way dialogue and are as flexible as your as flexible as your work is is able to be, that shows respect. That shows caring. That shows a very different profile than someone or some organization that doesn't have any or stays with the very minimum. And people are paying more attention to that now than they ever have. Mental health score is continuing to drop. What do you make of that? Like, what's going on there? Yeah, we've been we've been in a very difficult situation for quite some time. So when you really think about what happened at the beginning of the pandemic, we don't really want to talk about the pandemic too much, but we have to, right? Like, it impacted us in a significant way. We had change. We had uncertainty. We had a massive shift in risk in the population. So, you know, anybody who had a bit of vulnerability, it became more, you know, we, we lost our social support for so many reasons that this was a difficult time. And then over two and a half years, we had to be much more vigilant in a number of different ways. So we ended up being more sensitive to stress. So really what we are seeing right now, very unfortunately, is a reset in the mental health of the population. So we've been through a lot it lasted a long time, and just not being able, not having to wear a mask doesn't slip us out of it. Some of the impact is continuing, and, and we are seeing that very clearly in our numbers. Before we let you go here, Paula, how critical is how I feel about where I work, where, how Loren or Brett feel about where they work in terms of recruiting new people? Are, are current employees as critical in the recruiting process now as, they, as they've ever been? I think we went through a period of time where it was a, a bit of a, I don't even know what word to put on it. I, I, my mind says free for all, but, you know, there was this, 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 um, this thing in our culture about you can get more somewhere else is better. The grass is greener. And, and, you know, we really had sort of, you know, runaway salaries and people were moving towards things that maybe they shouldn't have. And you mentioned it before about people regretting the moves that they have. So I really do think that from your friends and families and some of their, their experiences and some personal experiences that might not have been great with, when that was a priority, people are thinking more about culture, more about the indications of, of whether this employer cares about your well-being. They're wanting it to be something that is a positive extension of their life as opposed to a knee-jerk reaction to an available position. Paula Allen, Senior Vice President, Research and Total Wellbeing at LifeWorks. Thank you very much for joining us this morning, Paula. And Jason Loren uh, with, uh, I think, a really important piece of feedback to provide on this. Yeah, Jason says, my work benefit plan is one of the major reasons I am still working. My cancer drugs cost over $7,600 a month. My wow. pharmacare deductible is 13000 so my treatments would be unaffordable without my work benefits. That adds up, and, and hopefully, Jason, that gives you a little bit of peace in mind as you, as you work through your battle here. Thank you for sharing. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, one more traffic tip here uh, from Rob G. Doritos Rob! says there's a crash at uh, Maryland and Broadway, and the lights are out. Uh, there are first responders on site. So it is a messy morning in Winnipeg and outside of Winnipeg. We are asking you at 204-780-6868 about the times that you were absent from work. But we're also asking you for feedback on what we just discussed 
about what would keep you happy at work. And uh, this is some interesting uh, feedback, Loren. Yeah, and Greg, I know you were going back and forth with them. We've had some people talk about how they've added up their benefits and that helps convince them to stay. And then this listener, well, go ahead, read it. I left a good job to work at a place I thought I always wanted to work. It was more money and a four-day work week. However, after five months at the new place, I hated what I was doing on a day-to-day basis, and it was incredibly stressful with limited flexibility. So I went back to my old job. Thankfully, they took me back. And, you know, if you get taken back at a workplace, uh, you're a little bit extra special, and and that workplace thinks a lot of you. It's not easy to uh, go home, as they say, Brett. But, yeah, the, the grass isn't always greener on the other side of the fence. We had one person here, and I'm not going to name this person or the job, but I think they they had been here for a long time, and they left, and I think they came back like a week later, if not a day later. It was like, welcome back. What? How? <laughs> like they just did... I can't. Really? Yeah. yeah. How was, long ago was this? Oh, uh, 10 years at least. We were still back on our, uh, maybe 15, because we were still uh, over on Portage, near Portage okay. in Arlington. So There's a culture that... You know, you couldn't. I, I'll. I will say, would I like more money? Sure. Is life increasingly difficult with the cost of things? Absolutely. But then you have to add up that feeling when you walk into the workplace, right? And so, what's the dollar that would amount that would replace that feeling? Yeah. Yeah. This it's feels sort of like, like home. neighbor. Oh, sorry, Brett. No, go ahead, Greg. It's sort. It's sort. It's sort of like neighbors. You can't put a, a dollar figure Absolute, on having great 100%, neighbors. Yes. And you can't pick your neighbors, but if you move. And you end up with lousy neighbors. Guess what? <laughs> You're stuck with them. Who would I scream at in the morning? Would they appreciate me screaming at them at another job? I just don't think I could. <laughs> I'd be fired. <laughs> Forget quitting after a day at a new job. I would be fired for the things I yell out at 420. Coming up in sports. Brett. Did the Bruins keep their perfect home record intact? Morning, Brett. <laughs> Details next on CJOB. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We have our Wednesday Winnipeg Jets commentary coming up at 7.55 with Paul Edmonds. And before that, we want to give you some different kinds of sounds of the game because last night there was a real tearjerker of a pregame ceremony. So we'll share those details with you next on The Start. How are things going in your household? Anyone sick? Anyone missing work or school? Mm, Whether it be COVID, the flu, a cold, RSV, on average, Brett, it is taking people out of action longer. And it is being felt in classrooms across the province. James Bedford is president of the Manitoba Teachers Society. But I think what we're seeing now, and I'm I'm hearing stories of of 20% of the students in the class being away for four or five days in a row. And I think that's what's causing a lot of added stress onto the situation. So when those students come back, there's recovery learning to do with those students. There's probably a little extra homework to take home. Uh, certainly we rely on the support of my parents at home uh, to be supportive of that learning, but it is a huge stressor onto the system right now. It's definitely affecting both students and, and staff. We're seeing uh, definitely some shortages in substitutes so that there's not always that qualified teacher available to be in the classroom when a teacher is away ill, and that just adds more stress on already difficult situation. 
stress for the teachers for sure, stress for the parents because you're trying to figure out how, you know, when your kid starts missing five, six, ten days, it really starts to add up. And then on the other hand, I was thinking about the fact that, you know, teachers, when they only have some, in some cases, half of their class there or less, you know, it's hard to work ahead too far because you're going to have to catch the rest of the class up and then next week the other half might be out. So it's just a real conundrum out there right now. And of course, like in all workplaces, managing what we're seeing this flu and RSV season, schools are doing what they can to try and ensure that learning continues. I'm hearing stories about, you know, if there's two grade two classes in, in the school, uh, they'll just combine the two grade two classes under the direction of one teacher because they simply can't find a substitute. Uh, we have members who are not in classrooms, principals, vice principals, uh, resource guidance teachers who are filling in the classrooms. Uh, we have members who are giving up their preparation time during the school day to make up for that lack of substitutes. So this is this is about everybody just working as hard as they possibly can, and uh, and it's it's it's. The stress is being felt in the system. Now, we are hearing about labour shortages in all sectors of the economy, it seems. A shortage of substitutes now. And Bedford says the shortage of teachers overall is on the horizon. We've certainly sat down and we've spoken to government about the shortage of substitutes. I'll be forthright in saying there isn't an easy answer to this problem because you can't simply create teachers instantly. Five years of university to... uh, to give teachers the accreditation and the skill set necessary to be effective in the classroom. So we're not going to see any relief overnight, but certainly in the longer run, uh, we have concerns about a teacher shortage down the road. We're looking to uh, to work with universities, to work with government, to ensure that uh, education is seen as a place that young people want to make their career as they graduate from high school and, and make those career choice decisions. That surprised me when I heard James Bedford uh, say that with regards to teachers in the long term. So that might be uh, an option for some younger people if they'd been hearing over the last few years that it's tough to get a teaching job. It sounds as though, Loren, that's going to change and something else that's changed. I had one of the boys at at a doctor yesterday because he's on uh, day, I think it's day 10 of missing school. And uh, we've spoken to or had communication with all of his teachers. The teachers are very concerned about his health and well-being and just want to make sure that he gets caught up. But the doctor told me yesterday that the flu for teenagers right now is commonly 10 to 14 days. And so my boy was feeling a little bit better yesterday. He's feeling better still this morning, but he's still coughing. There's no way I'm sending him to school while he's coughing. That's the hard part right now, though. It, it's circling back to all those conversations we had pre-pandemic of when do you decide not to go to work? When do you decide not to send your kids to school? And if you're now in a time where during COVID, there was compensation and there was some sick care and, and there's different things of, you know, everyone understood, stay home. I'm curious if employers are as understanding now as they were even just six months ago because rules have changed. And if it's not COVID and you've been out for 10 days and it's just a slight cough, at what point is either your boss going to say, okay, come on, get into work, or they're going to have to be understanding because we've been trying to become these people who do not go to work sick. And then on the other hand, with your kids, you're also thinking they need to go to school. And so you're that you're managing that too. And and so if the cough, slight tickle in your throat, you might be sending them because it just in your mind you're you're thinking they're fine. There's no fever. 
They're past infection. They got to they gotta learn. I, I, every day someone's having that conversation in a home in this province. And I wonder as well how many companies will sort of hang on to a lot of the changes they were forced to make during the pandemic to, to make sure that people could continue to work. Like, uh, you know, how many will... Because I know that we're looking to bring as many people back as possible here, but many of us do still have those work-from-home kits. I have a laptop at home that I've had since August when I got sick, and uh, I haven't been asked to bring it back yet, and I kind of hope that they never do because in the, in, in the instance where I go down sick, I can still do the job because I, I would always work through if sure. I had a cold. I would, I would always come in. But now I can do it from home. But if they make me return that laptop and I call in sick, well, then I'm just out. Yeah. And well, the- I'm I'm not going to be in the studio with you guys. You can hear it in my voice. I'm dealing with something right now. And there's no way in good conscience am I coming in to be near you. I'm just grateful that the flexibility exists for me to do my work because I feel well enough to do my work. I want to be on the air with you. So we have an option, but not everybody has that option. Long before the pandemic, we brought on Dr. Gigi Osler, who was once the president of the Canadian Medical Association. And we talked to her about sick days. And now people need to stop coming into work sick. That was before COVID. That COVID test then was your proof that you couldn't come in because you didn't want to spread COVID. But if you're waking up in the morning and you're not feeling well, or you're coughing, or you have a fever, and your COVID test is negative, you still shouldn't be coming into work. I just don't know if people have the ability to afford that right now and say, I'm not coming in because they might not have sick days. They might not get that money. And yes, there is some money that the federal government's put in that benefit plan there, but it doesn't compensate you for all those days missed. It's time is money right now. Like a hundred percent, you need to be there to make your, to make your bank. And I, I, I'm kind of floundering here because I think the decision over and over again that you're making is that I'm just going to go in. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Paul Edmonds with the Wednesday Jets commentary coming up in four minutes' time. But before that, it was Hockey Fights Cancer Night at Canada Life Centre last evening. So, of course, on the ice, the Winnipeg Jets hosted the Colorado Avalanche in a really pivotal game in the standings. But before that opening face-off, they did an amazing job of really putting it all into perspective. It was a dose of perspective if you were watching last night or listening in. And I don't imagine, I mean, I, I watched some of the highlights after Greg and was tearing up just watching 20, 30 second clips. I can't imagine there were many dry eyes in the house last night. Well, or in my house, because I can tell you sitting at the end of my couch, uh, tears were streaming down my face, Loren. And to see these youngsters and their families dealing with cancer really had me so grateful for how healthy my kids are, despite what they're dealing with right now with flus and stuff. But Here's part of what you may have seen, heard, or missed last night. I am delighted to welcome to our broadcast location here on the Canada Life Center Concourse one of the ambassadors for Hockey Fights Cancer Night in Cancer Care Manitoba. Uh, let's give it up for Kane. I, I This has to be an exciting night for you, I'll bet, Kane. Yeah, it is. Yeah? Have you been looking forward to this for quite a while now? Uh-huh. Yeah? Have you have you ever watched the game before where uh, the, uh, the the cancer ambassadors come down to the ice and are saluted by the fans? 
Um, Have you ever seen one of those games before? No. Have you ever had 14 or 15,000 people all standing and clapping when they hear your name announced? No. Do you think that's going to happen tonight? Maybe. Our final guest is nine years old and last winter was diagnosed with high-grade osteosarcoma, an aggressive bone cancer. He quickly began his first of six rounds of chemotherapy and midway through received a successful limb salvage surgery that removed the tumor while keeping nearby tissues and blood vessels intact. The successful surgery led to a re second reconstruct of his tibia bone and he's now on the road to recovery. Fans, please welcome Kane and his mom, Denise. Tell us a little bit about how life has been ever since uh, February of this year, because uh, I'm sure it was not what you were expecting at all. No, we uh, we had an, a nice Christmas, and then it was actually New Year's Eve that came, we found the tumor on his leg. So everything kind of changed. He was playing hockey in December, and then suddenly we were coming to Winnipeg for appointments, and after February when he started chemo, we were pretty much living here and doing treatment since then, off and on, with little trips back to Minnedosa, but most of the time we were here right. treating him with chemo, and then he had his couple surgeries as well. So the in-house announcer at Jets Games is our key colleague at Power 97, Jay Richardson and, and Loren. I saw at least two people on social media last night wonder out loud how he gets through these stories without breaking down. Yeah, there were all sorts of tremendous stories last night. And, you know, uh, uh, there was a little kid who was fist bumping all the Jets players. And as you watch that, I think you don't you don't have to be a parent to think to yourself the gratefulness you might feel for being healthy, but also how you need to be grateful for every day. Because as that mom was just saying, you know, you, you have this great Christmas and then next the next day everything turns, right? Life changes and you're now fighting and walking a new path. And how are you going to manage that? So uh, I... I really appreciate when moms and dads like that come out and talk and the kids too he was great just heard justine reading the uh the lottery talking about the 649 i'm just looking at the uh to see what happened to the lotto max the 60 million dollar jackpot Went to a uh, single ticket in Ontario. So, no, I've never heard that before. I know. So it means. First time ever someone in Ontario won. I know. So it means that uh, you're going to have to get up and go to work today. So we're asking you at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204 832 6243. If you can't get more money at your job, what keeps you there? The people, the benefits, or the perks, like flexible hours. And we're focusing on those specific... I mean, of course, I, I guess we could have added an, an option like, well, I need it to, to, you know, pay the bills, et cetera. But we're trying to focus on, like, the thing... What what do you like about what it is at work? Because, Loren, we had a conversation last hour with LifeWorks uh, about some of the research they're doing uh, regarding their mental health index and uh, how people are faring at work. Yeah, so they survey Canadians every month. And for four months in a row, the numbers have shown that the mental health scores that respondents are giving to light forks have dropped. So they're on the decline. So that says we're maybe not all in a good headspace right now. And I think that makes sense, given the cost of living and everything. And so we're talking about that bottom line. And and, and there was a time, what, three or four months ago, Greg, where we were talking about it being an employee's market. You know, you can go to your boss mm -hmm. and say, I want, I want more. Give me more or I'm going to move or I'm going to move for money. And I don't know if that's still happening out there because 
the cost of living for everyone has gone up and your employer might be finding that maybe their bottom line hasn't improved significantly. So we asked those questions and Paula Allen, who is the senior vice president of LifeWorks, said, you know, what you need to keep in mind is that if the compensation is just okay, it's the benefits that can sometimes be life-changing. Prescription drug plans, employee assistance programs to provide counseling, things that really focus on the quality of your health as well as the quality of your life. They add up in terms of a dollar sense, but they also provide that feeling, Paul, I, I would think that maybe this is an employer that cares about me if they're giving me unlimited this or at least 10 sessions of that or that I plan. What an employer does, you know, what what's there and observable and tangible really makes a difference in terms of how you view the employer because it makes a difference in, 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 in really whether the employer cares about your well-being. So if you're investing in programs and services, if you are, if you're, have that two-way dialogue and are as flexible as, you, as, flexible as your work is, is able to be, that shows respect. So that, to me, adds up. I, I said earlier, Greg, I'd still, everyone could probably use more money in their pocket, but does, is there a feeling in your workplace that sometimes keeps you there? I think that overrides for a lot of folks. Clearly, if if your number one priority is making more money, uh, you're going to be uh, sort of on a career path. I think that that dictates that, indicates that. Most of us have done our homework in terms of how much money I can make in a particular industry and, and what's reasonable for me to make in this position. Uh, if you're in a sales position, obviously you can earn uh you can earn uh, money in different ways and in, in turning and in, including commission. That's the word I'm searching for here. And so what is the possibility of me earning that money? But when you push it, all that stuff aside, I think what keeps you happy at work are the people that you're working with, the people that you have to see every single day. Do you enjoy spending time with them? Uh, do you spend time with them outside of work? Sometimes that doesn't matter, but when you spend that many hours away from home, hopefully you like the people you're spending time with and also the perks. The perks go a long way in terms of benefits in particular because peace of mind is almost incalculable. You know, how how often do you go to get a prescription and uh, apologies to people who don't have this benefit. I, I'm so grateful when I have to go and get a prescription for my kids for anything. I, I never ever stress about how much that costs. And there's a real value there. And it's not just the amount of that prescription, whether it's $13, $80 or some other uh, monetary value, Brett, it, it's peace of mind of knowing that when my kid needs something, I can just go to the pharmacy, my doctor can prescribe it, I'll pick it up. And that's the end of the concern. Indeed, having benefits like that are a huge thing. And we are Lucky with the ben a lot of the benefits that we have here in our company. I remember even a pharmacist was surprised at, at how much the company covered, picked up the tab on a particular prescription mm. I went in. He's like, "Oh my god, normally mm. this doesn't get covered." So, on the other to you. on the other hand, when you when you're sitting here talking about this, you have to understand all the people who don't have those packages don't have those benefits at all, or as one of our listeners says, as an adult now with a young family, the benefits sound great, but you need to understand what type of benefits, what the limitations sure. are, and the restrictions with the coverage. I know there are people who will walk into new jobs and have an offer on the table, 
and it won't it will not be the salary the salary might be the same or more than what they were making but they look at that benefit plan because then you start losing if you're someone who needs to you know in my family an EpiPen several EpiPens are purchased every year at 100 bucks or more a pop and you know how would you afford all those things in the states they're 600 dollars you can sometimes pay and if you didn't have coverage what? it's a life-saving tool oh they're hundreds of dollars in some parts so you know you start making these really crazy decisions without a benefit plan yeah, and I know people that stay in their jobs in the States just because of the medical benefits. You know, if you don't have to pay your medical coverage yourself, that's a huge, huge thing. But what about holidays as well? You know, I I know somebody that uh, got a heck of a job offer not that long ago, and uh, the company couldn't wouldn't budge on the on the vacation days. Had five vacation weeks where they were coming from wouldn't match it and so that person said sorry for that reason I'm I'm going to stay put asking you about the weird times where you had to miss work or miss school like Jeanette who says I once worked at a place that made you take vacation in a one week block my son was flying in to visit for the weekend only so I debated calling in sick on the Friday cuz that's the only day I needed off I didn't want to take the whole week So when he mentioned he wanted me to help him pick out an engagement ring for his girlfriend, that sealed the deal. I called in sick. No way. I was missing that. Is that, that's a cute story. I'm curious. Is that a thing though that you've heard of where people can't take just an odd day here and there? It happened here actually years ago. Yeah. It was so Vic Grant, (laughs) excuse me, excuse me, Vic Grant. He was our news director. And there was one summer where our evening news anchor, Rowdy Robbie Holland, Decided he was going to book off every Friday for the whole summer. <laughs> so it ended up creating this scheduling headache for Vic because he had to find someone to work Friday night and only Friday night. Like, who wants to do that in the summertime? Um, so it was this weekly scheduling nightmare. So eventually he put his foot down and said, okay, this summer you book a week or you don't book anything. Oh, boy. <laughs> See, now that that's, that's the whole – that's the uh, – Comparison there of give an inch, take a mile, right? Jeanette just needed one Friday off. Uh, The individual in question here wanted eight consecutive Fridays off in the summer. So, you know, somewhere in the middle lies the the appropriate action here. Like in the restaurant business, when you were sick, sometimes they'd say, well, um, can't call in sick. You got to find somebody to cover your shift. Yeah, that would never that would never happen now. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. That, I, that's I, I've always, whenever I hear that, I think, oh, come on. That's no good. So tell us a story, 204-780-6868. I'm going to start just booking never, Tuesdays and Thursdays, like just random Randomly. days and see what happens. Yeah. Well, t- our, our old colleague, Tristan Field-Jones, uh, who's You're now just, moved out what, west. You got like an out list you got to get through this morning? You no, out this, I, I'm not trying to out anybody. It's just funny. Uh, he did that. There was one summer where he booked a whole bunch of long weekends and uh, we razzed him for it. We are giving away a pass, a vehicle pass for Canada's Winter Wonderland Red River Exhibition Park. It starts this weekend, one of the most fun places to be in this city in the winter time. And um, we are asking you to tell us about a time where you were absent from school, absent from work, a weird reason why you were absent uh, or perhaps um, maybe not so weird, maybe more something a bit more deliberate. What is... Beth have for us. Uh, Greg, why don't you take Beth's text? 
Okay, I'm just clicking back into the wheel here. It was my first year of teaching, and report cards were due. In those days, everything was handwritten, and I had no idea or no clue how long it would take. I worked till 2 in the morning filling them in, but was still not done. I phoned in sick in the morning and finally completed the report cards by noon and miraculously recovered so I could hand out report cards at 4 o'clock that day. Wow. Yeah, the all night, the, the almost all nighter in grade twelve for our final mm. English essay. I decided to what did I do? The history of hip hop, I oh. think, is the topic I ended up. Well, see, part of the problem with my I mentioned the the football essay that I wrote the year before. Part of the problem is I don't like decide on my topic until like one in the morning. <laughs> the day it's due. That's why you're in media. You work on the deadline. You're like, well, it's not. T- it's not today. And then at one in the morning, it's today. It's due today. <laughs> so, like seven let's hours. Get it done. So that one, I, I think I was actually up all night, but I got it. I got it done, and I got to school. But for the grade twelve one, it was like a I don't know, a twelve page essay or something. And uh, same thing. I couldn't. I couldn't zero in on the topic until around midnight, and I did not finish by the time school started. So I actually, I, I stayed home from school, quote unquote, sick, so I could finish this paper. My mom was not happy with me for that. It's like, how dare you stay home sick? Get it done. Why didn't you start it sooner, Brett? Can you still sometimes feel her yelling at that at you now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, she's she's watching. Brett, I think I told you this before. <laughs> Sorry, Mom, I never learned that lesson. <laughs> Procrastination is, uh, I'm very good at that. But uh, Loren Joyce is our winner. In 1969, Bay Days were a huge event, and one of my coworkers decided to phone in sick so she could cash in on all the bargains. She phoned her boss, who was away at a medical appointment, from a pay phone on the main floor of the bay. I took the call in his absence, and as she was going on and on about how sick she was, I sensed a presence. Yes, it was our boss. He no. fired her on the spot, says No. Joyce. Yes, apparently he he was at the medical building next to the bay, you know, right, oh, right downtown. Sure. A medical sure. arts building, and then cut through the bay to go back to work and ran into his employee calling in <laughs> sick on the phone. My that is just- bad luck, man. My brother just texted me about a story from the restaurant days and our boss who called in sick one day from the golf course. And as he's hanging up in the background, you could hear his name get called (laughs) over the intercom. And I'm going to use his name because he's probably listening this morning. Creelman, group of four, you're next on the tee. (laughs) He didn't manage to even hang up the phone. He picked it back up. I'll be there at 11. He knew he'd been caught. <laughs> knew he'd been had. Oh, that is good stuff. So congratulations, Joyce. You win the pass for Canada's Winter Wonderland. Uh, we'll be in touch to get some more details from you.